Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. I am tonight's co-host, Jacob Louie, from Los Angeles, and I'm currently a junior at Steinhardt studying education and minoring in Korean and an RA in Alumni Hall. And I'm Tom Elliott, your other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Tom. A pleasure. So tell us a little bit about why you chose your pursuit in the world of education. Heading into my junior year, I realized I'm at a place where I need to start thinking about um, college and whatnot. And I really didn't kind of like had like a passion anywhere. But I think an area of interest that I've always had is history and politics. And it wasn't until my AP US history teacher in junior year that really kind of inspired me into the world of teaching. And he also provided me with a lot of mentorship and a lot of growth and development in terms of being an individual. And I think um, I definitely want to give back to a community that has given me so much. And I think the best way for me to do so is to become a teacher. Fantastic. Other things that you've done while you're here at NYU, not only the RA position, but you've been involved in other curricular activities that you and I spoke about earlier. Maybe you can tell the audience a little bit about your experience being in a member of a fraternity. Absolutely. I'm currently a member of uh, Sigma Phi Epsilon, and coming into uh, NYU, I was definitely more on the shy and introverted side. But my older brother um, said, Jacob, why don't you try out and try to go through the rush process in being a fraternity? And um, at that time, SIGEP was just coming back to NYU, and we were a startup fraternity. And I think the message and their core values really resonated to me of personal development and continual growth. And definitely one of the things that I've really enjoyed um, in being in part of a fraternity is just how we can take advantage of what New York City has to offer. And as an individual who is really values personal one-on-one connections, I think SIGEP's principles really line up with my interests. And I'm really glad to be surrounded by a group of brothers who really care about me and Likewise, I'm also grateful to have the opportunity to learn so much about different cultures from different individuals and different perspectives. So again, definitely joining a fraternity was one of the best decisions I can say I've made since being a student here at NYU. That's great to hear. You know, uh, we talk about NYU being a a community of communities, micro-communities. It sounds like you have multiple communities here at NYU besides the residential life team, but also the fraternity, and I'm sure in your academic world as well, and Steinhardt, so great on that. Who's tonight's guest? Tonight, our guest is Hilary Brandenburg. Hilary served as an RA at Brittany Hall for Audrey Kajumbula, Maria Molina, Steve King, and Ashley Staples, who were RHRMs there from 2010 to 2012. Welcome, Hilary, and thank you for joining us on tonight's show. It's really a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. So how are you and where are you? All good questions. Um, I'm doing well. I'm currently calling you from Fort Greene, Brooklyn, um, where I'm now living. 
Hillary, it's great to hear your voice. Uh, one of my favorite RAs at Brittany back in the day, we had some really good conversations. You always appropriately challenged me in my thinking, <laughs> and I always appreciate that. Tell us uh, what you studied while you were here at NYU. Um, I was in the Gallatin School, so I created my own major, but focused on public policy and service. And I minored in child and adolescent mental health studies. So I did the CAMS minor program. That's super cool. So like what made you choose NYU um, in the first place? Um, it's a good question. So the funny answer is that I chose NYU for things that I didn't end up studying. Um, I knew coming out of high school that I wanted to do something arts related and something journalism related. As you can tell by the major and minor or concentration I just described, I didn't end up pursuing that. Um, but as a high school student, I knew that I was interested in a non-traditional path um, and Gallatin really offered everything I was looking for. So that is, yeah, why I applied to NYU and luckily got in. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because one of the conversations that Tom and I had before was the beauty of the Gallatin program and in terms of like students might feel pressured coming into a university that they have to be binded or obligated to uh, one certain specific area or focus. But I think one of the beauties of Gallatin is giving um students the opportunity to merge like multiple interests together so i think that's really kind of uh unique yeah it's a great experience and you've continued to build on these interests that you have can you tell us a little bit about what you've done since you've graduated from the university yeah absolutely so just like my concentration i followed a bit of a non-traditional path um so i'm currently working on some independent consulting and freelance projects around social impact but I'll give you a brief history of how I got there. So I knew while at NYU, I was interested in public policy and I was interested in working for the federal government. Immediately following uh, my graduation, I did some internships in DC. I first interned for a um, progressive think tank and then I had the opportunity to intern in the Obama White House. Um, and that's what led to everything until now. Um, I spent a few months on a fellowship working for a Haitian nonprofit in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, then was lucky enough to go back into the Obama administration, working briefly on the healthcare.gov turnaround project, and then on um, President Obama's economic team. So I was the special assistant to President Obama's economic director, Jeff Science, and then following that, worked at the Treasury Department, working on domestic finance policy and financial inclusion. So how do you connect people who aren't connected to traditional financial services and banks? How do you get them into the system? Then have spent some time helping a friend launch a nonprofit, Brace based in Brooklyn called Emma's Torch, which is a workforce development program focused on culinary training for refugees resettled in the New York area. And finally, spent some time at BlackRock, an asset management firm working on their inclusion and diversity strategy. Wow, that's super cool and sounds super interesting. And I think um, Tom and I will dive a little bit deeper later into <laughs> in this podcast. But while you were at a student at NYU, were you involved in any extracurricular activities? I was. So I was very involved um, in the Bronfman Center for Jewish Life and then also involved in some of the political groups on campus. 
So tried to give as much time as I could to extracurriculars and then of course and everything housing related. Absolutely. We're glad that you did do that in the housing related world. Tell us about that decision to apply to be an RA. What what was the impetus? So I decided to apply to become an RA because of my own experience, as Tom has heard over the years, um, both the extreme positives and also the challenges. I realized that I was in a unique position where I could actually advocate on behalf of students and residents to try and improve the system, but also help other students have the same great experience that I had. What was it like to uh, work on a staff at NYU? What was it like being a paraprofessional? It was an incredible experience. I think it gives you a lot of exposure to how a university system works, how really having now worked in government, it teaches you how to advocate um, and how to work with all different types of working styles and people and backgrounds. And it also gave me some of my closest friends. So overall, an extremely positive experience. Brittany is a special place, and it has been for my time here at NYU. Tell me a little bit about the Brittany students that you had the opportunity to work with. What made that community so special? Um, That is a great question, and I wish I knew the exact answer. I will (laughs) confirm with you that it was a very special community and continues to be. Um, I think at least the time that I was there, Brittany Hall was one of the lesser known halls. So it was a first year residence hall, but not what most people put as their first choice. But it also leads to a great community. So you have people of all different backgrounds, particularly artists, students who are interested in politics and are very good combination of people. So it's both the residents and the RAs and, of course, the professional staff um, that really were the pieces of such a great community. I just do need to know about the Brittany. Was there a ghost there? (laughs) I know you've already interviewed Mark Levy, but for all Brittany Hall history questions, I refer to the Brittany Hall historian, Mark Levy. Um, Yeah, he can tell you the entire history, including the ghost and what year the building was built. Um, Yeah, so at your time (laughs) as a resident assistant, were there any memorable programs or events that you hosted? One of what I found to be most memorable is in the time that I worked at Brittany Hall, I would do um, like Sunday night hallway events. And I think at NYU, it's a non-traditional campus. You don't have a traditional quad. Um, And so I found that was a really good way to get people out of their rooms and to get to know the other people in their hallway. Though it wasn't the flashiest program that we held, I think it was probably the most meaningful to me because I, I both had the opportunity to see friendships build and hear about different people's perspectives on different issues, um, but also got the time to interact one-on-one with all the residents and also to see how their year was progressing um, and it became a a hall and community tradition. You you mentioned the non-traditional nature of NYU. When you think back at your college experience, do you feel like you missed out by not being at the big state university with the football game and the quad and the gates around you and and, and all of those things that the traditional college experience gives one? 
I so I don't. I think NYU is the right campus for me. Um, part of being a freshman RA, one of the hardest conversations I did have with residents was, is NYU what you need? Um, and I think it's a unique experience. You need to be comfortable being a little bit more independent. I also think that NYU is what you make of it. So housing for me was that huge community experience. Um, the Bronfman Center was a huge community experience. And now that I have colleagues who've been to different universities and also having friends from high school who went to different universities, you realize that everyone's kind of searching for that sense of community. So you might not have a football team, but there are sports teams at NYU if you choose to attend sports games. Um, and at least while I was at NYU, they gave out great swag. They do. Um, <laughs> they do so. Yeah. Um, and the NYU community post-NYU for me has been incredibly helpful and supportive. So even I lived in D.C. for a long time post-graduation and at the time NYU DC was just starting it's now pretty well established and I had that NYU supportive network um, in DC so while you might miss out on football games you definitely gain a different element which for me was incredibly rewarding. Now we're um, shifting gears a little bit and let's talk about your career to date and how did you get involved in your earlier career in public service? For me, I think it was it was both the passion that I had, but also through internships. Um, the encouragement that I give to people who um, say that they're interested in public service is volunteer wherever you can. And I realize that's not possible for everyone. Um, but in the world of public service, people will take any time that you can give them. So whether that's knocking on doors for a candidate or interning. I spent much of my time interning at the federal level. I also had the opportunity in college to intern for a New York state office, um, but interning even for your city council or for the mayor's office or interning on a campaign, whether that be local or presidential, that's a great way to really meet people, to learn what public service is all about. Um, and for me, I interned as an undergraduate um, as I mentioned, for a bunch of different federal government offices. I interned um, in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. I was privileged to get the Bradamas Fellowship, um, which if there are any current students listening, I highly recommend applying for the Bradamas Center Fellowship. It was a great way to both support my time, my summer internship in D.C., but also connects you to a great network. You had the fortunate opportunity to work, it sounded twice, to work in the White House under President Obama's administration. We need to hear a little bit about the inside view of, of working <laughs> for such a prestigious administration and, and leader. Yeah, it was quite an amazing opportunity. I have a lot to say about my time in the Obama administration, but my biggest takeaway was I had the privilege to work with incredible people who are all driven by a similar mission. Um, and regardless of what industry you are in, it really taught me the importance of finding the right colleagues and working for people you respect. And that can be in finance or in public service, but people really make all the difference. 
So I'm uh, currently a, an education major, but I think where my real passion lies is in public policy and again in politics. And I've gotten the conversation since I'm a junior now that like just one year from now, what are you going to do? And one of the things that I, I've been thinking about is, um, do you think that uh, going to graduate school is necessary to pursue like a career in public policy and um, to do what you do? Um, I ask that question to people I meet with every day because I do not have a graduate degree and I am deciding whether I want to pursue another degree. Um, I think the answer is you don't need a graduate degree to create policy and to engage in public service. For some people and some organizations, a graduate degree is incredibly helpful. I think it, again, like helps you build a new network. It gives you time to think through what are the policy agendas and specific policies that you really want to develop. But a lot of public service is about showing up. So for some people, for some organizations, that really just means knocking on doors before an election. It means helping people register to vote. It means showing up for your city council meeting or community town hall. I have the utmost respect and value for higher education and people who pursue graduate degrees. But I do think there's also a lot that can be learned from experience and just from showing up. Working in the sector that you worked in, in the federal government, what do you see from the inside that really is not working or wasn't working? And what were some of the things that you felt like you helped to fix uh, during the time your tenure there? I can give you a very practical answer and then I can give you a more theoretical answer. Um, the, very, <laughs> the very practical answer is I had a very unique experience to work on the healthcare.gov turnaround team. And for those that don't remember, universal healthcare is a big policy agenda for President Obama and the Obama administration. And as part of this monumental legislation that was passed, they said that everyone was going to be able to buy or to purchase and select healthcare through a website that was going to be as easy to use as Amazon.com. Um, the website launched and did not work as well as it should have or could have. And by nature of the role I was playing, at that point, I got hired on to be the assistant to the person who was brought in to lead the turnaround team. Um, so I was amongst a very small team that had to figure out what was the problem and how do you fix it. What I learned from that experience is you should take your time to get a project right, but also that working for the federal government and government in general is such important work. And though it might not pay you the salary that the private sector can, any type of government and public service really needs all skills and all voices in the room. Um, and I think part of the challenge when rolling out healthcare.gov was there were not as many engineers in the room. And so there was great legislation that was passed and a lot of great workers and contractors who were involved in this project. But you had a lot of people who were worried about the policy and not necessarily about the nuances of launching a website. Um, so that was a very practical answer is I think you just need more people of more backgrounds who are committed to public service and are committed to government work. That also goes to my theoretical answer, which is you learn so much working for any government and can operate at a scale that you really can't elsewhere. But it's very important to focus on the people that you're helping and not the politics of the situation. 
Right. And so uh, being from the in the public policy world, just because there's so much red tape, so much like hoops you have to go through, do you feel like um, you have a one man can't change the world mentality? Or do you think that every individual matters, every kind of opinion and voice matters when um, dictating what public policy looks like in the big picture? Um, that's a great question. And my answer is both. So what I've learned through my time in government and even in my time working in the private sector at BlackRock is that one person can have a vision, but you can't execute without a team. So you can look at the Obama administration and say it was all possible because of Barack Obama. He was truly the visionary and united people around him, but he could not have done any of the great work that he did without the huge team behind him. And that huge team includes everyone from people who first hosted him in their living room in Iowa when he was a junior senator who didn't have much of a public profile to his top advisors who were giving him um, the advice or their input before he made a decision on anything. So the real answer is you should always think that you can change the world and don't let anything else stop you. Like choose to follow your mission and engage, but know that you probably can't do it alone and that's okay. Really insightful perspectives from where you sat, which is a really great place for young people to think about uh, when they have the opportunity to do so and serve. Let's change gears a little bit to talk about working in the space of diversity and global inclusion like you did at a corporation. Certainly the public good is still there, but there's also a financial uh, requirement that private uh, firms, our stakeholders, are looking for. Uh, and, and how does that whole idea of diversity and inclusion work in the private sector? And, and from your perspective, how challenging is it for someone to think that they can really make some changes in a private sector like that? So I think Diversity and inclusion is a conversation in, particularly in the financial services world, but in private, the private sector more generally, because there is an economic benefit. So there is research that shows more diverse teams yield better products and more profit. So working at BlackRock, an asset management organization where much of what the company does is based on data and many of the people who work there function based on the data they receive. It was very important to go into every conversation showing the research that backs up the argument that more diverse teams is better for the bottom line. I, I think that is at this point pretty well accepted and well received. It's just not um, widely known. What skills do you use from the RE position into your current work? That's a great question. I think being an RA teaches you how to work with all different types of people and to solve for all different problems with minimal resources. So NYU has incredible resources across campus, but if a student comes to you and they have a problem, you are responsible for solving it and you have to figure it out. That is, I think, what has translated to the rest of my career from working at the White House to working at BlackRock. I've always worked on very small teams where if someone gives me a challenge or a problem, I have to figure out what are the resources and where are the resources that I can find to help solve for the issue at hand. So I think that's 
something I definitely learned from being an RA. Hillary, what do you read or listen to on podcast or uh, other social media sources to inform the work that you do today? That is a great question. I... I've become very big at podcasts now living in New York because I'm on the subway a ton. I listen to a, a number of different NPR podcasts, um, including Up First is one of my favorites. I listen to the like Pod Saves America series and everything else that has come out from that group. And then I also try and read the news from various sources. So it depends on the day, depends on how much time I have. But one of the things that I learned from being at NYU and particularly from my professors is that you want to make sure all the news that you receive is from different sources so that you're not only getting one biased news source or not only reading about the stuff that you already agree with. Absolutely. Especially in uh, today's political context, I think it's definitely important to get, you know, different viewpoints and different uh, perspectives and to make your informed opinion on various issues. So what are you most proud of in your career to date? I've been very privileged to have very unique experiences. So I think I am most proud of my whole career to date. I, When I graduated at NYU, I would have never expected to have the opportunities that I've had or to go from sitting in the West Wing at the White House to working at at BlackRock, um, the world's largest asset management firm. So definitely a very diverse set of jobs and opportunities. But I think what I'm actually most proud of is Emma's Torch, this nonprofit based in Brooklyn. So Emma's Torch was founded two years ago. It was an idea that a good friend of mine from growing up had, and she reached out to a group of her friends and said, do we think we can make this happen? What can we all do to kind of chip in? Um, and today we actually officially opened the second Emma's Torch location. Um, the Brooklyn Public Library uh, Cafe is now run by Emma's Torch. So if you have the opportunity to visit the Brooklyn Public Library at Grand Army Plaza and you stop by the cafe, all the people working at the cafe are refugees, political asylees, and survivors of human trafficking who have been resettled in New York um, and are part of this three-month culinary training program. Um, Emma's Torch also operates a restaurant in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, where students learn and are getting the requisite training they need to then have a um, long-lasting career in the culinary world. And um, I think the reason I'm most proud of it is to your question of can one person make a change or do you really need the masses? Um, This was a friend who had a vision and turned to her group of friends and community and said, can we make this happen? And in two years, we've created something that's quite amazing. That's phenomenal work, uh, making such a difference in people's lives who are very often just walked by and forgotten about Mm -hmm. uh, in our communities. I need to ask you, will we see your name on a political campaign down the road? (laughs) Um, As a candidate, no. As a staff member, um, perhaps and hopefully. (laughs) I'll keep you updated. I think that's part of what I'm figuring out now with the exciting 2020 race is um, to what degree I get involved. Fair enough. Alrighty, so um, before our um, speed round segment, one last question. So do you still stay in contact with any other RA alumni? If so, whom? Shout them out. 
I do. And this is the most terrifying question for me because I know I'm going to forget someone when I say this. Um, but uh, to Tom's point about Brittany being a very special community, I think I have seen most of the RAs I worked with since graduation and still spend a lot of time with a lot of former Brittany RAs. I, again, will preface this by saying I will miss people, um, but I currently live two blocks away from Jason Marie, who is an RA with me. I have spent a lot of time with Mark Levy, as I referenced before, Brian Stralko, Maya Evans. Um, I was living in San Francisco briefly and had the opportunity to hang out with Patrick Wong, um, Samantha and Brian Lawton. I hung out with Last Weekend, um, Brittany D. Mueller. I am missing a ton, but Charlotte Evans, I visited her in Singapore two years ago and then got to travel around Asia with her. Um, so it's, I've been very lucky that we've all kind of spread around the world, but still hang out or in uh, touch quite frequently. And, and you all have that same core belief in others. And I think that's probably one of the things that bond, bonds you as a group as well, lifting each other up. Let's jump to speed round. Favorite tradition at NYU? I have a lot of favorite traditions, but um, amongst my favorite is the NYU reality show. Already, any celebrity sightings as an NYU student? I had a lot of celebrity sightings, so I think <sighs> my most consistent was I lived in Palladium when Katie Holmes was living right next door, and I always felt like I left her class the minute she walked out the door, so I'd have to push paparazzi around to try and get to class on time. Love it. Oh, he loves it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that's really interesting because I'm. it's been three years since I've been a student at NYU, and I yet to seen one celebrity. I saw somebody from BuzzFeed, and, but that doesn't count. So. Favorite NYU professor? I want to say the same answer, which is I have a number of NYU professors who were my favorite. I had taken Rabbi Yehuda Sarna and Imam Khalid Latif. I was in their first class at Wagner, and I heard them both speak yesterday. So credit to them for teaching in a, a great initial first class, and it sounds like the work they're doing through Wagner and across the university still continues to be amazing and resonates. All righty. And so finally, um, we're receiving our um, first uh, new incoming RAs. If you had to give one piece of advice, what piece of advice would that be? Uh, my advice would be this is going to be some of the most challenging and rewarding work that you do, but it is important and it is valuable and it will continue to resonate throughout your career. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and your life after NYU. As always, thanks to our listeners who stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version life. Hillary, thank you so much. You are truly a role model for the importance of giving and lifting up others for your time in public service and what you're doing now. So I really appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Special thanks to our engineer tonight, Duncan Lemieux, who's all the way in Sydney, Australia, going to be doing these edits. And to the current professional staff and the alums of NYU who assisted great RAs like Hillary in skill acquisition. Those uh, professional staff were Audrey, Stephen, Ashley, Maria. Thank you so much. And to our current professional staff, thank you for all that you're doing. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the brand new Alumni NYU website coming out in June. 
And if you want to know more about RA's favorite books, go to whatthey'reading.blogspot.com. And finally, feel free to tweet at me for a shout out. Until next time, think about how you can contribute to make our communities the best place possible. Thank you.